This is Impact. I'm Carrie Kaufman. You would have thought the world had come to an end. A bit less than a thousand people voted in the election to choose who would lead the Nevada State Democratic Party. The news was that it was a clean sweep for progressives, which made John Ralston essentially say that Nevada Dems had just put a big L on their forehead for loser. His argument is that the Reed machine had delivered solid Democratic wins nationally and in state. Changing could create chaos, and chaos means state Republicans, who have yet to recover from their own chaos, can move right in and take over. Or Perhaps progressives can just take over. One of the people who was elected to run the party was Dr. Zafar Iqbal, who is now the first chair of the Nevada Democratic Party. Lisa Mosley was the political director for the 2020 Bernie campaign in Nevada. And you know that one. Uh, He won by like a mile. Uh, And Chris Giunculiani is... Well, hell, she's Chris G. Most of the people who care about progressive politics are still mourning the fact that she's not currently our governor. Welcome to the program, all of you. Thank you. Thank you. Good to be here. So, Chris G., you you uh, you have a long history of getting things done in politics and getting things done for the state, yet you have maintained your progressive roots uh, you uh, you endorsed Dr. Iqbal. Uh, how did this play out? What happened here? I kind of think it's Shakespearean much ado about nothing, uh-huh. um, very truthfully, in that, listen, the party has always been what the party is. And the machine, the Reed machine, which is money, basically, and strategy, coordinated campaigns, Sometimes they've used the party as the vehicle and sometimes they haven't. So this isn't the first time they didn't, quote, have a strong party structure Mm. or what they interpreted as such that allowed them to to put the money and hire the staff and put the programming together. So I really I have faith in in progressive politics. Number one. Number two, I with no disrespect to the party leadership, whether it's state or local, no matter which county they're in. The parties have never been the political force. That's why my husband started the Assembly Caucus, because the party really didn't have a structure of any sort to elect Democrats, especially those to the legislature. So that's what really formed the caucuses back in in the late 80s. Mm. And that was really what was put in place back then. It still exists. I, I The caucuses have changed the two assembly and Senate since he was there and since Lindsey Jetstrup was there. Some for the good and some I'm not so thrilled about, but that's their business. Um, but I think in the long run for the party, what happened with staffing? Alana was going to go someplace else anyway. I mean, Alana Mounts, I, I, who was the. Yeah, I, Alana Mounts. The staff all resigning. That happens when somebody is beating their chest and says, oh, it's terrible. Everything's, you know, the sky is falling. Mm. I think in the long run, um, you had two progressives against each other, Tick and and Judith. Mm -hmm. You had, um, I don't know, I'm assuming Harry probably was involved in asking Tick to run. But whether it was or not, it was kind of the it was the old school, let's split the vote kind of concept, put two people that can engender and then we can retain the the way we're we've been working. Mm. Right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, with with unfortunately with Tick's loss or fortunately, no matter how you look at it, 
it just is that individual who's probably more understands the establishment and how the structure works and how in the old days we elected an elected official to be the state chair generally because they had a way to be able to raise money. That was really the bottom line. Oh, so, and that's what Tick was trying to explain the other night is in 94, when he was chair, they needed somebody that understood that could work with a variety of different people, but understood where had contacts to be able to help fundraise because you need money to be able to, to do what you need to do. So since the DNC had put in so much money, I'm, I'm, I'm not surprised that they wouldn't take it out till they figure out what structure they want to invest in. Okay. Um, okay. Okay. So let me, let me, yeah. let me back up. Cause you've said a lot okay. of things and people are probably lost, right? So Judith Whitmer is the one who uh, won as president of the state democratic party. Uh, sure. At some yeah. point, Catherine uh, Tick Sagerbloom, who is a county commissioner and was a state senator, uh, said that Catherine Cortez Masto, who is our national, one of our national senators, called him and asked him to run as uh, as as president of the state Democratic Party. Uh, Tick Sagerbloom was one of the first people in Nevada to endorse Bernie Sanders in 2015. Uh, he is, you know, we would not have. Uh, legalized marijuana in Nevada if it weren't for Tick Sagerbloom, who has been pushing this for a long time. He has been pushing the party to the left. Uh, so it was two progressives who were going after each other. But that is the criticism is very much that the new people are new and they don't necessarily have the roots and they can't necessarily raise money. And then to uh, to add insult to injury, when the staff of the Democratic Party left, before they left, they transferred $450,000 to the Democratic uh, Senatorial Campaign Committee, the, the National okay. Campaign Committee. So, so now they've got to start from zero. They've got to fundraise from zero. No, there's money in their bank account. And, and so that's it, it, how much it's, it, there's enough there to pay somebody if they hire some staff bank to, to, to do their county outreach, to work with their, their clubs and structures. So there's funding there for that. Are there a lot, big bucks to actually organize for electing people in the next two years? No, not with 450,000 taken out, but that money was going to be watched. It's even though it, it's kind of like it was deposited in a, in a, in a safe account versus a blockchain. Interesting. <laughs> Sorry, I, I hate okay. the new innovation zone stupid. <laughs> idea. But anyways, so so in a way, the party, I mean, the folks that have made that investment, they put in millions this last year, I would think, right, Zafara, probably for the coordinated campaign and all of that. And then this next two years, you've got Senator um, Catherine Cortez Masto up. So that's a key race that we need to keep. And we will. And they'll just set up another structure for where their additional election money goes to. Right. The party has never been the party to get people elected. They've been there structurally. They energize people. They do our JJ dinners. They they mingle, they create the clubs. The clubs are the backbone of, of the party as well. You know, the Red Rock Dems mm -hmm. and the Tahoe Dems up in, in, in Washoe. And, and so it, that structure, they still have an opportunity to put together and to build on grass. They have a great opportunity to do grassroots outreach and get and keep people motivated because the downtime, just because Catherine's on it doesn't necessarily motivate people uh -huh. 
for other races. Well, that they can and, and it may just with. be the opposite, but we're, we're going to get to that in a second. Lisa, I want to okay. bring you in here uh, and talk about the Reed Machine, which, which has been touted as a money-making enterprise that funneled money through the state party. Um, it also gets boots on the ground to get people to the polls. So um, how is this going to affect this grassroots organizing and also the fundraising? Well, let's not forget that Bernie Sanders running for president (laughs) raised more money with small dollar donors than any other candidate. Let's not forget that it was the Bernie folks on the ground who helped him sweep this state the way that he did. And so we still have access to those people. You have some of them now running the party. And I think it's a wonderful way to bring in diversity. I think it's a way, not Mm. just racial diversity, but economic diversity. I think this is such a wonderful occurrence that has happened. We have the opportunity to bring in so many different voices. You know, all of those folks walking away from party, good riddance. Now we can bring in some people that look that are more reflective of what this Democratic Party actually represents and what Nevada represents. And what is this going to do for fundraising? I think we're going to blow this thing out of the water. I think there's going to shock everybody because you have all of these people who are excited, who now want to be a part of the Democratic Party again, Mm. who had walked away. Let's talk to people like me, who I walked away from the Central Committee a long time ago because I just did not feel like it was addressing the needs of my community. But I don't feel that anymore. I am so excited that I've been donating money to the Democratic Party already. And so you're going to have people like me who had not donated before and who had walked away from the party and who didn't want to be a part of it because they felt like it was establishment, that it was status quo, who are now going to be coming back. I think this is a great way to energize the state. And we're not crazy. We know the value of having Catherine Cortez Amasto as our United States Senator. We know the value of having the folks that are in elected office now remain there. We, we benefit from that as well. And so I think this is a great way to do what we claim we want to do and bring people together. And I think that's what's going to happen here. Okay. So let's bring in Dr. Iqbal, who is actually an officer uh, of this state party. Uh, are you hiring people? Uh, what do you make of, of what happened here? Congratulations, by the way. And, um, uh, and how are you moving forward? What are the plans uh, to make the party uh, as relevant as, as Lisa just said uh, it can be? So thank you. Thank you very much, Gary. Um, so, Gary, we are not hiding at this time because we are just trying initially to get hold of the bank account and to have a better understanding uh, of how much money really is there. Mm. Uh, I personally think that what is lacking in the party is trust. I think uh, progressives worked hard, organized themselves at a grassroots level and played by the book, basically. They first... uh, got involved in the county party, Clark County party, and then uh, got in the state party. And I think this is the time for quote unquote establishment or who has been running the party before to to come together basically. And taking out the money is one thing, but it shows that, you know, they mistrust to to start with, Mm. I think. If there was a process, I have no issues. I, we don't even know where this 450000 came from, what did it come for. And, you know, so this just sets a wrong precedence, especially when we need progressives, we need younger people to be involved in the party. You know, that has been the goal of the Democratic Party. And now when they are involved, 
you see the left caucus, the DSA, primarily they are younger people. So I personally think that this opportunity should not be wasted and should be used to bring everybody together. Because Keris, look at the numbers. When President Obama won, it was more than 12% margin. Look at when President Biden won. It's like less than 3%, less than 2 So it's the margin is getting thinner and thinner. So we have to really look into many things here that, as Lisa mentioned, how the money is raised is a very important issue. Mm -hmm. Because as you bring money from these big donors, you invariably are held accountable or you serve them more than really the people. So if we can raise money from the people, you know, that should be a good news for everybody. You know? Okay, so your what is your pitch? You're going to raise money from the people. Uh, when Bernie Sanders was running, your pitch was was vote for Bernie and 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 get excited about him. Now we're talking about a, a, a state Democratic Party, which which quite frankly most people don't even know who was running the party before, much less who is running the party now. Uh, it's not something on people's radar. So how are you going to get people excited and and raise money from those small donors? I think uh, by by making the party really responsive to the people. If you see, as uh, Chris also said, that generally the party is not seen as aggressively organizing, you know, and I think that should change. I think we should we should have twelve months organizing. We should have grassroots organizers that brings the volunteers. The clubs, as you see are mostly volunteer people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I think they should be helped by the party and not help just when the votes are needed, help to understand their issues closely, to bring bring them into leadership and to provide them staff from the Democratic Party that can help them, you know, understand. There's so much work to be done. But I think that direction is changing. I think what is needed is that both the groups, if there are two groups, like the older group and this younger, newer group, they should come together and make sure that we've been in big numbers, basically. I think that is really what is needed. Chris, um, mm-hmm. there are uh, the establishment Dems really are right now leading uh, both houses of the legislature here, Nicole Canizero and Jason Frierson. Uh, and yet there are a lot of progressive bills that are coming out of uh, out this year. We're going to talk about this later in the show. Criminal justice bills, uh, decriminalizing traffic tickets, as Lisa and I talked about a few weeks ago. Housing bills. Uh, Michael and uh, Lyle and I are going to talk about how uh, because because of COVID, because you lost your job from COVID, you're not going to be penalized in getting a new apartment or a new place to rent. We seem to be moving in a progressive direction anyway. Um, Finally. Finally. <laughs> um, Many of those bills were introduced last session under the same leadership. Indeed, okay? indeed. So now we have to see if the proof's in the pudding and whether or not Democrats are actually going to stand for something, um, regardless of who's in leadership at this point. And I didn't mean to cut you off, but it, no. it gets frustrating because we need more education of our own selves about uh how things came about how how did three strikes get in it was done by a democratic governor Mm -hmm. bob miller i voted against it and it's still on the doggone books right so there's fundamental things that i think regardless of well hopefully this session does do the right thing and passes this stuff despite the fact that you have um one house kind of controlled by someone who's more 
that's social justice oriented and one whose job yes. makes them, or they choose to think that the job makes them not be able to be that. I think that's bogus and bull crap. Because she's a prosecutor. We should, I should correct. note that. She is a, but that doesn't, you should never let that interfere with what your job is. You were elected by people, not by your boss. Okay. And so, but anyway, be that as it may. I think the party actually has a perfect opportunity. And I think it is about trust. They need to rebuild. I'm tired of hearing about what happened with the Hillary and the Bernie people. I was a Hillary. I hosted the Hillary and Bernie people at my house. What was that? Eight years ago. I mean, come <laughs> on, get over it, folks. Right. I think the party, both all the, the counties as well as the state, have a perfect opportunity to really bring in people that were more fringe Democrat, nonpartisan-ish type, libertarian types, mm -hmm. or those who never bothered to get involved at all because they'd never been asked. So I think it's a good way to lay out a plan and focus focus on raising enough money to be able to put the staff in to de de deliver a grassroots plan. And then you're valuable to whoever has the money from the national. So it, there's a way to prove be a value added because you have the networking, you have the phone calls, you have the email lists, you gathered all that and that does not take a great deal of money. Mm. And that's where if I were state chair and the and the board start focusing on that. Marla Turner before she left did some amazing training programs. I can come in and do training for both Republicans and Democrats through Grace Leadership happy to do so, no cost. So I think there's ways that they can actually still prove their effectiveness and actually do better. Look at Van, good example. Van. And Iqbal, you know, Dr. Iqbal, you know this. It's, it needs to be cleaned. It's run through a national piece. Okay, what's Van? Van is the Democratic voting base where everything is stored okay it's their electronic file and i forget what the republicans is but they have a similar program okay clean up those lists every person you've ever contacted make sure the phone numbers are correct make sure you know whether they went to a precinct meeting or a caucus meeting have that information in there information is power and it's as valuable as money if not more so so there's things the party could actually do that will strengthen it bring in new people. Wisconsin, um, two years ago, their Democratic group, I think actually their communities of color put together a program called BLOCK, B-L-O-C. Lisa and, and Dr. Iqbal, you might want to look at look up about it. They literally went door to door and sat in people's houses and say, you only voted once. Let's talk about what's going on. There's five other people in your household. What are your issues? What do you care about? What do you need from us? And they sat down and did block by block. I get excited about that because to me, that's true grassroots. And I think people still need to be talked to and touched and asked in order to keep them engaged in whatever we think is, as, it's not always as important to them. It's not that they don't care. It just, they're trying to work three jobs and right. teach their kids at home and all this other stuff that's going on. So uh, regardless of who's, who's in, who's running the party now 
I think it's a perfect opportunity. Okay, so Lisa, I want to ask you, what do you think the message should be, right? There are a lot of people who are excited uh, because the country is moving more toward the left and the state is moving more towards the left, but they don't necessarily have specifics, right? They don't necessarily know how the sausage gets made and and partly are really angry at how the sausage gets made because <laughs> because it's kind of, it's kind of yucky, but how do you communicate to them and what is the message to, to make sure that everybody's on the same page? Well, first, let me say, I think every time I'm on a call with Chris G, no I kidding. start lamenting the fact that she is not our governor. So let me just start there. <laughs> yes. But I think what Chris said is very, very important. And one of the, th- you know, we did it when Obama ran in 08, door to door contact and connecting with people on their level where they are. And that's the most important piece. People know what's going on. They know that when the election time comes, but if it doesn't, if it's not something that relates directly to them, that directly affects them, you lose them. And what was so, what we did on the Obama campaign that was so awesome is that we connect and told people, this is how this affects you. We did it on the Bernie Sanders campaign. Campaigns are doing it now, even the Hillary Clinton campaign and campaigns uh, most recently, connecting with people and saying these policies directly affect you and showing people how that happens and why those policies affect them. That's how you bring people in. And it means going door to door. It means sitting down with people and saying this issue is on the table. This might be how it affects you and listening to them and saying, how how is this affecting you? Mm -hmm. Did you know this is happening? The issue of warrants for traffic violations, Do we did a webinar a few weeks ago and got people on there and said, look, this is what's going on around you. This is, a, this is how it has affected this group of people. And, this, and people were getting on and saying, wow, I had that same I issue. That. I did yeah. not know this was an issue. And it's just going to take doing the work, doing the work of knocking on people's doors. And with, we, we have all of this technology that has come about. But we know that the most effective way to get through to people is sitting with them face to face and saying, what do you need? That is still the most effective way. And I think you've got such young, energized people and even everybody's energized, not just young people, people, period, that will do that, that are willing to go door to door, knocking on these doors and talking to people and saying, this is what's going on. And we need your support. That's how you do that. So, Dr. Iqbal, uh, there is a distinction that I'm making here between uh, ideology and pragmatism, right? This is sort of an intersection. Uh, There are a lot of people who have uh, the ideology and who are very excited. And then they go to the legislature and there's all of these sort of uh, hurdles that you have to go around or over in order to get something done and compromises that you have to make in order to get something done. Uh, how are you, you, you know, I get the I get the energy, but how are you going to maintain that energy when somebody runs into a wall and, 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 and they have to figure out how to get around that wall? Very I think if you see 2016, I was very involved with Bernie campaign and mm-hmm. then came 2020. And I had an opportunity to be a campaign co-chair with Tick and lead the Muslims for Bernie in Nevada. This time it is a lot different. You know, at that time, uh, the progressives were, the movement was just getting started in Nevada. Now it is much more organized. Now is the time to deliver. And I can tell you what uh, uh, Chris said earlier, 
uh, there cannot be so much influence of district attorney's office on our legislature. <laughs> it has to end, you know, and I'll be very honest with you. The only way to end it is when party is responsive to the people and not to the moneyed interest. And I think I'd, I'm not trying to use it as a rhetoric, but I really believe in it that when you are responsive to the people, that is, uh, I'm the second vice chair. So when you introduce okay. me to my, okay. as a second vice chair, my role is to to make our party more diverse and inclusive. So how do we do it? By really empowering the diverse people, the diverse communities, the minority communities. I have had roundtable conferences, the Zoom meeting with the black community, and they are very passionate about criminal justice reform. And they understand what is going on. See, uh, what has happened is that the younger people and the quote unquote, the Democrats that used to really vote in the establishment, they have different access to media. That is a very important thing to understand. You know, when five corporates are controlling 95% of what we hear, see, or listen, you know, and now you have these younger people who are not beholden primarily to them. So they understand these issues. And I think right now, progressives and uh, the establishment, quote unquote, should come together. This is an ideal opportunity to deliver. And I think we will have a very grassroots way of raising money. So we are not beholden to them. And we engage people like Chris G who has experience and are passionate about criminal justice reform, that we with her uh, experience learn how to make Van better. You know, this is the time where I don't even make the establishment or the progressive divide to be very honest to you. I think certain things are popular, period. Like no matter what people say, I'm a doctor. I know Medicare needs to change. You know, it needs to change. I I see this every day. Every day I see my Medicare patients that can't afford medicines that I write. Their insulins that, you know, you go to Walmart, you'll get those old insulins that were twice a day injection when newer insulins they and insurance companies won't pay for my seniors. So what I'm saying is uh, uh, universal health care is a very popular issue. Mm-hmm. $15 minimum wage is a popular issue. So I want to, I want to take this up with, with you. I, I had a Twitter conversation with somebody about the 15% and, and, and this person said uh, the 15%, not the 15%, the $15 an hour wage, right? This person was like, we need to get rid of Catherine Cortez Masto because we need a $15 an hour wage. And I was like, but she voted for that. And uh, this person didn't know necessarily that the House bill that went to the Senate had a $15 minimum wage in it. So that's the, the thing that I'm talking about. People who are who are excited by the idea and want the world to change and want the world to change now. How do you keep a hold of them? You know, that's a great question. And I don't know that you do. I think we, we do a lot of educate, a lot of educating people. You know, Catherine is wonderful. When the George Floyd justice and policing act was introduced, you know, Catherine's office reached out to members of the Clark County black caucus and got on a call with us to walk through this bill and ask us what we thought about it. What were our opinions on it? And what did we think anything else should be in there? So did Susie Lee. And so just letting folks know that and educate. And I don't know that we're going to be able to get to everybody. And you also have to remember, there are some folks out there, Carrie, who just 
don't want to see certain people in there and confirmation bias is going to come in. They're going to look for any reason mm -hmm. to try to say, we need to get rid of these folks. But Catherine has been effective. And I think the, most folks know that. And so getting and maybe you pushed back on Twitter. Maybe some other folks should have pushed back on Twitter and said, hey, actually, Catherine voted for this. You know, and I think finding those opportunities or taking those opportunities when we see them presented or we see somebody presenting some false information, taking the time to educate them and say, actually, no, that's not true. You know, we can only do the best that we can. And we may not get to everybody. We may not. But I think with social media and your podcast and all of these other mediums that we have to just put this information out there. And those who are going to listen are going to listen. And those who don't want to listen, there's nothing you can say to them. Nothing you can say to them. Chris, I'm going to leave you with the last word. Um, do you think that, uh, that this movement will move forward without uh, taking a couple of steps back? I think we're fine. I think let the dust settle. Let everybody take a breath figure out what Dr. Um, Iqbal has a job as a vi second vice chair. The first vice chair has a job. The chair has a job. They need to become familiar with their own rules, their policies, their bylaws, their procedures. If they want to change them, they need to go through a process that's an open, transparent process, just like every place else, and not do things, they have to be cautious to not do things that create conspiracy theorists or mm. add to conspiracy theorists. So as more open as people can be and say, you know what, I didn't know about this. I screwed up. Here's what we did wrong. Or here's what we did right. I think that they will give them a month or so to kind of get their feet wet, figure out who structurally, I think if his charge, for example, is diversity, reach back out to the youth that, for March for Our Lives. I'm their mentor. So there's still young people in this state, but we don't have their names, their addresses, their emails, or their phone numbers. Nobody gathered that while protests were going on. Nobody gathered any of this from BLM uh, while their protests were going on. But start building those community blocks, that contact information, and that does not take a lot of money. And then you begin the big tent. So I, I don't know. I'm an eternal optimist. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> I think that we will go forward as long as we know what our messaging is. It's going to be very important during this year of COVID. I mean, the people that we drove into poverty were those that were already impoverished. Mm. And, and, and we... I was talking to a mom just two, an hour ago. She says, I, it's insane trying to figure out what my kids can go back to high school for two periods yes. and turn around and come back for an hour and then go back. I said, that's stupid. They made it difficult instead of making it easy for people. And that's what frustrates and causes people to stay home or not vote or say government doesn't work for Indeed. me. We have to be sensitive to not just because you can doesn't mean you should more often than not. I, I could talk all day about this school schedule and CCSD, oh. but that's a whole other thing. You just heard from uh, Chris June Kiliani, who is not our governor. Uh, she ran for governor in uh, 2018, lost in the primary, uh, and she is a former assemblywoman, former Clark County commissioner, 
and uh, worshipped by those on the left who wish that she had been our governor. Uh, Lisa Mosley is also the uh, former political director for Bernie in Nevada. She's a longtime consultant. I actually met Lisa when I walked into an office uh, for somebody that she was consulting for. Dr. Zafar Iqbal is the second vice president of the Nevada Democratic Party, the new Nevada Democratic Party. We wish you luck, Dr. Iqbal, and we'll keep checking in with you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Gary. Take care, everybody. Take care, everybody.